scripture I want to share with you this morning, taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 22. The word of the Lord says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. That's a key phrase right there. Here I am. Verse 2, Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you affectionately love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. May God add his blessings to the reading of his divine word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you right now to anoint our ears to hear and anoint our hearts to receive what the Spirit of the living God desires to speak into our hearts and minds this day and let us forever be changed. Don't let one of us leave this place today the same way we came. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now before you see to turn around, smile real big at somebody and wave at them and say, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen and amen. This story of Abraham and Isaac here in Genesis chapter 22 is a, it's a beautiful rendition, a beautiful representation actually of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, but it is revealed not in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. Many generations before Christ was actually ever even born through virgin birth, here we see a picture in the Bible rendered of the price that would be paid by God the Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross so that the gift of salvation, the gift of grace may be offered to us all. It's in this story here in Genesis chapter 22 that Abraham was called to on three different occasions. We're not going to go through all three of those different occasions that Abraham was called to. We're only going to look at one today, but just so that you know, first of all, God called Abraham in verse 1. Secondly, Isaac, Abraham's son, called to him in verse 7. Thirdly, and finally, in verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham. We find in this story here in Genesis 22 all kinds of type and shadow of the gospel. All kinds of symbolism here as it pertains to the good news of Jesus Christ. We can see God the Father being symbolized in the character of Abraham. We can see Jesus Christ, God the Son, symbolized in the character of Isaac, Abraham's son. The occasion of Mount Moriah where Abraham would offer Isaac, his only son, on an altar of sacrifice. In this story, if you look closely enough, we can even see a picture of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ when Abraham laid his own son on a sacrificial altar with a knife in hand. As, as far as Abraham, his father, was concerned, Isaac, his only son, was as good as dead. So in his heart, Isaac had died to Abraham, his father. Then we see Isaac, of course, symbolically being brought back from the dead. 
when God intervened, not allowing Abraham the father to go through with the sacrifice, returning to his father, all by being returned to his father, all by the intervening hand of God Almighty. It was here that Abraham's whole world was shaken. It was here that everything that Abraham had come to believe, everything that Abraham had come to depend upon, had been called into question. And Abraham's faith was shaken at its very foundation by the greatest test that his faith had ever had to endure in his lifetime. Like Abraham, friend, I want you to understand this morning, church, that there will be defining moments in our walk with the Lord, defining moments in your life and in my life when God Almighty is going to require our faith to respond. The name of the message today is just that, faith's response. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes, faith's response. I want us to examine, first of all, Abraham's response to the greatest test that his faith in God had ever experienced. I want us to look at God's call. God called to Abraham. God called to Abraham. Look at Genesis chapter 22, if you're following along in your Bibles, and look at verse 1. The word of the Lord says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, and right here I want to stop and I want to emphasize Abraham's response. Abraham said what? Here I am. Here I am. You see, what I want you to understand, first of all, is that God still speaks today. God is still crying out to this world who is lost and dying in its sin today. And God still speaks today. Some don't believe God still communicates with his people. Well, I believe he does. As a matter of fact, God communicates with me on a regular basis. He does it through his word. He does it through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He does it and sometimes he uses other people that he sends into my life to speak a word into my life. God speaks through the preached word of God. God speaks through the taught word of God. I said God is still speaking to this world today. And thank goodness that he is. We've been studying and walked through the word. We've been talking about the time of Eli and the time of the judges and how there was a famine of the word of God back in that day. Let there never be a famine of the word of God in the time in which we are living in today. Let the church be the church to stand upon God's promises and declare what the truth of God truly is. Can somebody say amen? amen. But I said some don't believe God speaks to people. I believe he does. You know the point is Psalm chapter 8 verse 3 and 4, let me read what that says. The psalmist writes and he says, When I consider your heavens, 
the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? It's not that God isn't talking. I believe that God is speaking loud and clear. The problem is not with God speaking to us. The problem is that many of us just are not listening to him. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 15. Jesus reiterates this truth. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That is repeated throughout the New Testament. We find in the book of Revelation, it is said again and again, when God was speaking to who? Speaking to the church. Speaking to the seven churches of Asia Minor, every time God spoke a message to the church, God said, let he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is wanting to say to the church. Back in the CB radio days, it was common language for them to use terminology like this, breaker, breaker, one, nine. Do you have your ears on? Do you got your ears on today? Do you know what that means? What they were asking is, is somebody out there listening to me? I believe with all of my heart that the spirit of the living God is saying that very thing today. God is saying, does the church have its ears on today? Are my children listening? Are they paying attention to what I have to say to the church in this final hour in which we are living in today? Just because someone is talking to, you, to us doesn't mean that we're listening to what they have to say. Can I get an amen from the wife section this morning? Just because, wives, you're talking to your husbands, you know very well, that doesn't necessarily mean that your husband is actually listening to what you're saying. There's a difference between hearing and listening. You can hear and just hear a bunch of noise, you know, kind of like the Charlie Brown teacher, if you ever watch the Peanuts cartoon, you know, it's wah-womp, 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 wah-womp. You hear the noise, but you cannot discern the words. This is what God is saying to the church today. Let he who has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church this morning. In other words, don't just hear it. Tune in, let your spirit, let your heart, let your spiritual ear tune in today to what the spirit of the living God wants to declare and speak into the lives of his children this morning. One of the significant elements <clears throat> that separated Abraham from others in his day was that Abraham tuned in to what the Lord was saying to him. So many of us do just the opposite. 
instead of tuning in to what the Lord is wanting to speak <clears throat> into our lives. Will you hand me that bottle of water? <clears throat> Excuse me. Rather than tuning in to what the Spirit of the Lord is wanting to speak into our lives, we get so busy. Can somebody say amen? amen? We get so busy doing our own thing. We get so busy with our own agendas. We get so busy doing busy stuff that we forget to make time for the Lord. I want, to, I want you to understand something, that God has something to say to his church today. Yes, he does. God has something to say to his church today. The question isn't, is God speaking, friend? Today, the question is, are we listening to him? Are we tuning in to what the Spirit of God desires to speak into our hearts and lives? I'm saying that to bring out this point. What distinguished Abraham again from everybody else in his day is that Abraham was a man who tuned in to what the Spirit of God was wanting to say in his life. Some people work very hard keeping themselves so busy. Do you understand today, church, that God is not impressed with our busyness? God is not impressed with how busy we are. We look at the story of Martha and Mary in the New Testament. Martha was busy. She was busy in herself about doing good things. There wasn't anything wrong with what Martha was doing. But the point was, and what Jesus was trying to get across to her, was that her sister Mary had chosen the better thing. And what was that? Mary chose to seat herself at the feet of the Savior. And tune in. Did you get that? And tune in to what the Lord was wanting to say. I said, our busyness does not impress the Lord. You know what impresses the Lord is when we as his children, I said when we as his church will make God a priority in our lives and we make time to do what? Tune in and have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is wanting to say and speak into our lives each and every day. Some people work very hard, keeping themselves very busy just to do the opposite, to keep God tuned out. But I want you to hear what Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 27. Jesus said, my sheep do what? My sheep hear my voice. I said, it's not that God is not speaking. I said, it's not that God is not speaking. It is about whether or not you and I are tuning in to what he has to say to our lives. Let me finish it. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I said, Abraham was tuned in to what God was wanting to say. Abraham lived long before Jesus Christ. 
spoke the words of John 10 and 10, but his life and obedience to the Lord exemplified that Abraham's heart, again, was tuned in to God. How can we know? We know because when God spoke to him, Abraham gave a proper response to the Lord. It was a faith response. It wasn't a great speech that Abraham answered the Lord with. Abraham answered God with three simple words. What were they? Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, God. You see those three simple words that Abraham spoke. Short words, simple words. Simple to man, but they were profound profound to the Lord. Do you know why they were so profound to God? Because God actually found somebody on the earth who would prioritize and take the time to tune in to what the Lord God had to say. You know, I can only imagine God's response to Abraham's reply in heaven. I imagine God had to probably looked over at Gabriel and said, Hey, Gabriel, did you hear that? Did you hear what Abraham said to me? He said, here am I. He said, here I am, Lord. The response, that was a friend, that was a faith response to God. I'm going to point out why in just a moment. That was a genuine faith response to the Lord. It was that simple little phrase, here I am, that the Lord God longs that the Lord God desires to hear from every single one of us today. It is a faith response. And it tells God, Lord, what you have to say to me is important enough for me to set everything else aside and tune in to what your spirit is wanting to speak into my life. Look at somebody and ask them, do you have your ears on today? Oh, say it again. Ask somebody else, hey, do you have your ears on today? Are you tuning in to what the Spirit desires to speak to his people today? And it said a great deal about Abraham's heart toward God. This is what I'm talking about. It showed, it said that Abraham took God with utmost seriousness. Abraham wanted to hear what the Lord had to say. Another observation is this. Abraham's response to God's voice was a response of faith. It was a faith response. Abraham didn't respond to God. He could have responded to God in different ways. Abraham could have responded to God by saying, well, what do you want, Lord? This really isn't a good time, God. Can you come back, you know, tomorrow, maybe about this time tomorrow, maybe then I can make some time or fit you in to my busy, busy schedule. He could have responded to God, can you, can, can you really, you know, right now, God, for real, you really want to talk to me now? I'm such an important person and I've got so many important things to do. To do, But no, that's not what Abraham said to the Lord because you know what? God knew that it didn't matter what Abraham was doing. That when God spoke to him, 
Abraham stopped what he was doing and paid enough attention to God to hear what the Lord wanted to say to his heart. Oh, Abraham could have replied to God in many... Abraham's reply to God meant this. This is some of the things that Abraham's reply spoke to the Lord. It said, I'm at your service, Lord. This is what Abraham was saying to God when he said, I am here. He was saying, I'm at your service, God. Abraham was saying, my time is your time, Lord. Abraham was saying, I acknowledge who you are. You are the God of heaven. And if you choose to speak to me, it is important enough for me to take the time to listen to what you have to say. Abraham's reply to God meant, I acknowledge who you are, God. It meant you are the master, God. I am the servant. But here's something else it meant that I want to elaborate on just for a couple of moments this morning. It meant, this is what Abraham's response said to God. Now catch this. I have nothing to hide, Lord. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Abraham's response to God was saying to the Lord, I have nothing to hide from you, Lord. Let me give you another biblical example of the opposite response. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, I believe we have this up on the screen. The word of the Lord says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam, his wife Eve, did what? hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Notice verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Notice Adam's response in verse 10. Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. I said, it's not that God isn't speaking to us today. The question is, are we tuning in to what he has to say? Adam said, I heard your voice, God. I heard you speaking to me, God. But quite frankly, I was naked. I was afraid. I was ashamed. And I hid myself. You see, Abraham's response to God was, here I am, Lord. I have nothing to hide from you, God. Here I am, as I am. What do you want to speak into my life? You see, it's important for us to note on that point is that it wasn't that Abraham was a morally perfect individual. Please understand that today. Abraham didn't always make the best decisions in his life. And he suffered because of those bad decisions, even sometimes downright ungodly decisions. And he paid for those unwise decisions. However, here's the key. When God called to Abraham, Abraham, despite of his unworthiness, Abraham didn't run the other way. I said when God spoke to Abraham, Abraham didn't do like his ancestor Adam did. Adam ran and hid himself from the Lord. But when the Lord called to Abraham, guess what? Abraham came running to the Lord. 
In contrast, Abraham's response to God. And because of his own disobedience, Adam stopped running to God and did what? Adam started running away from the Lord. Let me ask you a question this morning. Which way are you running today? Which direction are you running in? Because I know we live in a busy, busy, busy world today. We're so busy about things, trying to take care of details in our lives. And please understand, I know where you're coming from. There are bills to pay. We got to put food on the table. We got to provide for our families. There's a lot of responsibilities that goes along with the busy life that we live. But understand we're all running, but the question is, what direction are we running in? Are we running away from God, or are we running to Him? Jonah, we learn what happens to people who run away from God in the story of Jonah in the Bible. Jonah tried to run from the Lord, and where did he end up? He ended up in the belly of a whale. For three days and three nights. Why do people want to prove God doesn't exist? The reason why people don't want to, they want to prove that God doesn't exist is because if they can eliminate God, they can eliminate accountability to him. However, when man deceives himself into thinking God doesn't exist, he also eliminates his hope in the remedy of his dilemma. What I'm saying to you today is stop if you are running from God, stop running from the Lord. Stop busying yourself so much to the point that you don't have time to hear what the Spirit of God is wanting to speak into your life. I'm here to tell you, God has something to say to every individual person in this sanctuary and those watching through the online broadcast. Listen to me. God has something to say to you and it is worth taking the time to tune in and listen to the spirit of the living God but when God called to Abraham he was one of the few on earth who did not run the other way despite his own imperfections I said that people run from God because they're trying to hide something from God they don't want to face up to who or what they have become, but can I tell you a secret this morning? God already knows. Do you understand that? Whatever it is that you don't want to confess to the Lord, whatever it is that you're trying to hide from the Lord today, you're wasting your time, wasting your energy, because God already knows. Do you understand today, church, that God knows you better than you know you. God knows me better than I know myself. Reality is we run from God because we are not really running from the Lord so much. Reality is we're really running from ourselves. We're really running from our own guilty conscience. God doesn't condemn us. Jesus came into this world and died on the cross in order to conquer sin, in order to break 
the chains of oppression and bondage that sin brings into our life and set the captive free. I said Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world, but that through him this world might be saved. But sin brings its own condemnation. Have you ever heard, have you ever witnessed to someone and they respond to you something like this? They say, well, I know I need the Lord. I know I'm not right with God, but there's a few things that I just need to work out first. Has anybody ever told you that before? There's a few things in my life that I just need to get straight first. I need time to work on myself and get good enough before I come to the Lord. Can I tell you something this morning? If you're waiting to be good enough for God, you will procrastinate yourself into a dark eternity. You can never work on yourself enough to be good enough for God. That's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus already knows that. He came to the world, died on a cross, rose from a tomb, and ascended into the heavens to sit at the right hand of God the Father in order to make a way for you and me to do what you and I could not do for ourselves. I said the God who died for you is the God who will deliver you from the bondage of sin. Jesus did the hard part for you. Jesus did the hard part for me. Jesus paid the price that we could not pay. Jesus broke the bonds that we did not have the power to break. I don't have the ability to clean myself up, but praise the Lord, I know the one who does. His name is Jesus. He is the author, and he is the finisher of my faith, and I will put my trust wholeheartedly in him. Oh, somebody give God praise in this place this morning. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus is the one who has the power to set us free. So stop trying to clean up your own life. You can't do it. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost to set us free. And that power comes when we put our faith and believe on the name of Jesus, which is the name above all other names. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. It's not about what I can do for myself, friend. It is about what Jesus has already done for me on the cross of Calvary. Oh, somebody give God praise in the building this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost today. Abraham was one man who came to God. No, not because he was morally perfect. The Bible is brutally honest, and the Bible was brutally honest about Abraham's own life. He was not a morally perfect man. But this is the point. Abraham did not allow that to stand between him and God. When God came calling, Abraham went running. What direction are you running in today? I said, are you running to God? 
Or are you doing like Adam did, our ancestor, our forefather, way back when in the Garden of Eden, when instead of running to God, which is what he should have done, he turned and he ran the other way. Don't run away from the Lord today, folks. He's the one who has the answer. Don't run away from the Lord, folks. He's the one who is the bomb of Gilead. He is the medicine of all medicines. He is the medicine that not only has the power and the will to heal our bodies, he has the medicine to heal our sin-sick soul and set us free by the power of his name. It's like that old song that churches still sing. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to that's all God wants that's all the Lord wants today he's not looking for excuses well Lord you know I, I had a bad day Lord you know there's been a lot of stress on the job you know you know that wife of mine or that, that husband of mine he's so sorry he won't get out and get a job and, and I just can't live right because of him or or I just can't live right because of that woman who's always on my case and nagging me day in and day. Stop making excuses. Stop running away from the Lord. Because, friend, it's not working. Turn around. Repent. Turn around. Do an about face and say, God, I've been running from you far too long and it's not doing me any good. I'm going to try something different today. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to run to you today. So Abraham's simple reply to the Lord, God, was this, here I am, Lord. Bear with me just for another moment here. By this time, Abraham's life, if you study the life of Abraham then you will know enough about his life to know that this wasn't the first test that God had given his faith. As a matter of fact, Abraham's long life on the earth had already demonstrated faith and obedience to God on several different occasions up until this point in time in his life. It was an act of faith years earlier that had led Abraham to leave his native country of Ur in Mesopotamia and journey to an undesignated land where he would become the founder of a nation. It was his response of faith that ushered him into a covenant relationship with God in the first place. You see, the journey of our faith is progressional. And what I have learned is this, that whatever 
You are going through whatever season you have found yourself in today. God has allowed that season to come into your life in order to get you ready, in order, in order to condition you for the next thing God has for you. God is testing you today to get you ready for bigger and better things for tomorrow. Can somebody say amen? But here's the deal. Just when Abraham probably thought that he had done everything that God could have possibly asked him to do, just when Abraham probably had thought within his own heart, God, I've given up everything. <laughs> I've left my hometown. I've traveled to a place. I had nowhere, no idea where I was going. I was totally dependent upon your guidance, totally dependent upon your leadership to show me the way. But then God came and God asked, for one more thing. He asked for one more thing. How many of you have ever been at that place in your relationship with God when you thought you have done everything possible that God could possibly ask you to do? You've poured yourself out. You have sacrificed everything that you've known to sacrifice. You have, you have stepped out on faith time and time and time again and you thought it had, God had to be finished with you and then all of a sudden one day God shows up and he asked you for one more thing. Genesis 22 and 2, God said to Abraham, he said, Abraham, take now, <laughs> take your son, take now your son, your only son Isaac whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. You see, we anticipate that God will hear us when we're in need, when we're hurting, when we're confused, when we're distraught, when we're desperate, when we're discouraged. We are certainly glad that he does, but my question today to you, the church, is this. What is our response to the Lord God when God asks something else of us? What is our response to the Lord God when he asks for that one more thing? You see, it was an unthinkable request that God made to Abraham. Have you ever been at that place in your walk with God that you didn't think that he could ask for anything else, but God asked for one more thing? It is true that any time God calls us to do something, his call is going to cost us something. Did you know that? Every time God calls us to do something, you bank on it, it's going to cause you to have to give something else up. Because God can't place anything in your hands, you follow me? God can't place anything in your hands as long as you are hanging on to something else. Some of us are hanging on to things today that God never intended for us to hang on to. Can somebody say amen or oh me? 
Some of us are hanging on to things that God never wanted us to hang on to, that God never intended for us to hang on to. It is true that anytime God calls us to do something, his calling is going to cost us something. It's going to cause us to let go of something else. And usually that something else is something that is very precious and something that is very dear to our hearts. It's true that there is no promised land without a wilderness experience. Somebody help me preach this morning. It's true that there is no crown without a cross. It's true that there is no resurrection without a death experience. It is true that Christ There is no wilderness experience without the promised land. It's also true that in Christ there is no cross without a crown. It's also true that there is no death without a resurrection. I said, yes, Christ's call is going to cost you something. But I want you to hear this preacher loud and clear today. It's not going to cost you anything that the Lord God will not replace abundantly with something much bigger, much better, much greater, and so much more glorious. Friend, you cannot outgive the Lord today. I don't care what the Lord calls you to let go of. I don't care what the Lord calls you to give up and surrender to him because whatever it is, it's only because God has got something a whole lot better. Oh, somebody help me preach right there for a minute. It's only because God has got something so much better, so much richer, so much greater so much more glorious than what we're hanging on to right now. Tell somebody, let go. Tell somebody else, you gotta be willing to let go. You gotta let go and let God. Christ's call is going to cost you something, but he will always replace it with something more glorious. Friend, one day I'm gonna lay this old body down. This body is going to deteriorate. This body is going to pass away with the dust of the earth. But those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you better look out because on that day, the very moment that we lay this old body down, guess what? God's got a better one waiting for us. (laughs) God's got one that's a whole lot more glorious waiting for us. I know many of you have had loved ones who have passed on by way of the grave. So have I myself. But I want you to understand that those who know the Lord, they're not passing on to a worse place. Friend, they're passing on to a glorious place, a place where there is no more death, where there is no more sorrow, where there are no more tears to cry, no more pain to suffer, nothing more to have to endure but dwelling and basking into a manifestation of his glory, his glorious presence. I'll say it again. When God wants you to give something up, you can rest assured he's always got something a whole lot better to take its place. Can somebody put your hands together and give Jesus a hand clap of praise? 
Church, I, I feel the Holy Spirit here today. I tell you what, I felt the Holy Ghost from the moment I walked into this building and I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Pastor Steve, if you will, please come and play softly on the keyboard, sir, if, if you will. If you, if you need a, a singer to come and help you, that's certainly fine as well. That, that, that's your call. I'm closing this out with this last observation. I've asked myself so many times in reading this story of Abraham and Isaac. God, why Isaac? You know, I'm sure Abraham had to have asked God that question. Now, there's nowhere in Scripture where we can read that Abraham asked God that question. For all we know, he never audibly asked the Lord that question. As far as what the Bible indicates, and I believe the Bible, please rest assured of that. But whether he ever asked God verbally, God, why Isaac? He must have somewhere in his heart or in his mind, he had to have asked, Lord, but why? That doesn't make sense. Lord, that doesn't compute. There's nothing logical about you asking for Isaac. Please understand, in Abraham's day, it wasn't anything unusual for people to sacrifice their firstborn to their God. It was a common practice in Abraham's day for people to literally sacrifice their firstborn to their demon God that they served back in the day. So that in and of itself probably wasn't such a surprise to Abraham because, hey, that's what God's required. That's what God's want. They want our firstborn. But Abraham was probably thinking to himself, but God, this is the promise. I understand you want me to sacrifice my firstborn. That seems to be what all the other false gods are asking for. But this is Isaac. This is the promised son. This is the miracle child that Sarah and I did not supposed to have in the first place. This is the son in which you're going to bless me as the father of many nations. This is Isaac, God. Why Isaac? Isaac is the promised son. He was the blessing upon Abraham. This is the answer. How often when God blesses us with something special, how often when God gives us something dear to our hearts that we become so attached to the blessing that we forget about the one who gave the blessing in the first place. Did you hear me? How often do we become so emotionally attached to the gift that we forget about the one who gave us that gift. Oh, somebody help me this morning. That we forget about the one who gave us that gift in the first place. God was wanting to know from Abraham, Abraham, do you trust me? Abraham, do you believe me? 
Yes, I'm the one that gave you that promise. I'm the one that gave you the blessing. I'm the one who gave you Isaac in the first place. But hey, I, Abraham, do you remember that your hope was not in Isaac? That the hope of your future is not in the promised son, but the hope of your future is in me, God Jehovah. I'm the one that gave you the blessing, and I'm the one who will fulfill my promise, and I'm the one who will fulfill my blessing upon your life. Abraham, who do you believe in? Do you believe in the promise? Or do you believe in the one who gave the promise in the first place? Abraham, do you believe me? Do you trust me? Are you willing to lay it on an altar and be willing to give it all up? And we know how the story goes. How Abraham laid Isaac on a sacrificial altar. And as he laid his son on that altar, he took up a knife. I'm going to pick up there in the text in Genesis 22 and 10. It says, And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. And I can just picture it in my mind, in my mind that just as Abraham was getting ready to come down with that javelin, that the Lord God called to his servant Abraham, and he said, Abraham, Abraham. Do you know why God called to Abraham twice? God called to Abraham twice because God knew that Abraham had a made-up mind that he was going to obey God at all costs. I said Abraham had a made-up mind that he was not only going to lay it all on the altar, but he was going to sacrifice it all because the Lord God had the ability to give it all back. And he had learned that he could not ever outgive the Lord God. And Abraham not only had raised that javelin, the Lord God knew that Abraham's intent was to go through with it all. So God, the God of heaven, cried out to Abraham, saying, Abraham, Abraham. And notice Abraham's response to the Lord. Notice it. He said, Here am I, Lord. Here am I. You see, the circumstances had changed. The season of life had changed. The test of his faith had changed. But one thing had not changed. His response to the Lord remained the same. Friend, let me tell you something. I don't know what season you're going through right now. It may be a season of sunshine or it may be a season of rain. But one thing I know is this. Let not our response of faith to the Lord change. Let it forever be the same. And that is no matter what life may bring my way. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here am I, God. I'm still here. I'm still tuned in. I said I'm still listening to your voice. And the same God who has brought me this far is 
the same God who's going to see me the rest of the way through. Somebody stand to your feet this morning and give God glory in this place today. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Blessed be the name of Jesus. Praise His holy and righteous name. Praise His great name. Oh, will you just lift up your hands this morning and just love on Jesus. Love on the Lord for a while today. God, we love you. God, we adore you. Lord, we worship you today. You're faithful to us. You have seen us through trial after trial. You have shown yourself faithful to us time and time again. And I know and I believe the same God who delivered me yesterday is the same God. I said is the same God who's going to deliver me today. I know we're still trying to be COVID conscious today and I'm very aware of that. But right where you're standing, I'm turning this entire congregation into an altar right now. If you are here today, and whatever it is, or even whoever it is, that is standing in between you and the Lord, today's the day that we're surrendering it to Him. We're letting it go. We're letting it go. We're surrendering it to the Lord and we're doing it with the faith of knowing that whatever we give up, God has something better to take its place. If you believe God for that, I want you to stretch both hands toward heaven right now, right where you are. Dear God, say it with me. Dear God, I surrender it to you. I surrender this situation. I surrender this relationship. I surrender this dilemma, this sickness. I surrender it to you right now. God, it's yours. It's bigger than I am. Say that out loud. It's bigger than I am, God. But it's not bigger than you. I release it to you by faith, knowing that you are faithful and that you're going to see me through no matter what. In Jesus' name, when the church said, Amen and Amen. Can you put your hands together?
I want you to commit something to the Lord. Whatever that was that you surrendered to him today, I want you to commit yourself to the Lord and say, God, I'm leaving it here. I'm leaving it here. And when I walk out those doors today, I'm going to walk out free. I'm going to walk out delivered in the name of Jesus. I'm going to walk out in the freedom and in the liberty of the Holy Ghost today. Not because of my own ability or knowledge, but because of your grace that is sufficient for all my needs. Will you do that with me right now as we close out in prayer? Dismiss the prayer of God right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you, God, for touching my life today. Thank you for ministering to my needs today, Lord God. Thank you for demonstrating your miracle-working power time and time and time again. And God, right now, by faith, in the name of Jesus Christ, when I walk out that door, this which I have surrendered to you, I'm leaving it here in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to take it back up and carry it with me when I walk out that door. I'm going to leave it at this altar, at the feet of Christ. In the name of Jesus, I surrender it to you. In Christ's name, amen. And amen and amen. And can we give God one more hand clap of praise before we leave this place? Hasn't it been good to be in the house of the Lord today? Hasn't it been wonderful to experience His Shekinah glory in this place? This, this is what church is about. The presence of Almighty God. His Spirit living, moving, and ministering among His people. God bless you today. Thank you for being with us. We love you so very, very much. May God bless you and your whole family. You are dismissed. God bless you.